You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by... You fucking sprung that on me. I didn't have time to interrupt you. We are going to do a uh, a Denver group ride. Um, so if you live in the Denver area and you want to ride bikes with us, you can definitely do that. And we're going to make that possible by doing a group ride on November 13th. That's a Sunday Sunday. morning. We haven't decided where we haven't decided the exact time and we'll let you know more as we know more. But, uh, that is the newest, latest. It'll be morning ish. Correct. It'll definitely be Sunday morning, but a date or sorry, a a GPS honed-in location, and a military synchronized watch time has not yet been decided upon. But You can mark that on your calendar Sunday morning. You're going to miss mass. You're going to miss mass, and you're going to have to start working out deals with your spouse and your children's right now. Um, yep. And yeah. break out the single speed, because I'll be on mine. Single speed or die. Um, cool. So after that, uh, what's new and shaken with Kenny? Uh, business as usual over here. Still building my RKT. Uh, so, for like the- one bolt at a time, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be pretty slow. I mean, it was a pretty big pocketbook hit, so I'm like kind of relaxing. But I kind of want to do it right at the same time. I also want to like get on the bike and ride it and then figure out what I like and what I don't like. But honestly, I already know what I like, so I don't really <laughs> need to do much of that. <laughs> um, but it's just a matter of. Should I put on the mechanical stuff and like it's GX1? It's pretty cheesy. Yeah. Should I just put that on there and just ride it? Uh, it'll be heavy too, which is kind of a bummer. Or do I just do it right? It's got cheesy wheels with it uh, right now. I just bought it complete because it was a good deal. Uh, so I don't know. Could you possibly sell that whole group as just like a, a like I took this off of a bike? Like you can build up a frame set yourself for this amount of money and buy that group. Yes and no. It's weird though because it's it's, it's got a XT cassette and it's boost front and rear and it's GX1 and the crank's a total turd and it's BB30. Like I don't think anyone <laughs> in their right mind is going to go buy or is it press fit thirty or whatever. No, press fit thirty. Okay. Well, it's a thirty mil spindle crank. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's anyone in their right mind who wants to buy something budget <laughs> who has press fit thirty. Anyway, it's it's just very strange setup so no and i've already sold the cassette to somebody and i sold some other stuff and i'm using the derailleur on my single speed oh well uh so anyway yeah you should just wait i'm also waiting because i really want to get the xt di2 rear derailleur and it's just not available yet okay have you not gotten xtr i could get the xtr but it's 200 dollars more it's like kind of crazy so oh this is going to make your head pop off guess what i have held in my hand uh, an XT Di2 rear derailleur. XT Di2 in stock. Oh, cool. Yeah, it, it said it was going to ship any day, and it might even be in stock, and I didn't realize it. Um, I've been had it on. I've had it on back order from Shimano Direct for like eight months. And I think it's we have up. also. Um, but they just fill the Wheat Ridge order first because you guys are like. Well, the you guys man. may have legitimately placed it first too. I placed it maybe you know a week or a month or something after it was announced. Gotcha. And we do buy Durace 9000 chains, or I guess it's the 900 chain, technically, 901. 
We buy those by the carton, like the 25 boxes. Yeah. We'll get like multiple boxes of Durace chains. And I'm just like, holy, like, that's a lot of fucking cash. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's no joke. I mean, they retail for $60. There's 25 in a box. So that makes each box what? Like $1,400. We don't have time for math right now. It doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, moving on. What else is new with Kenny? Uh, what else is new? My single speed works great. So I'm super happy about that. I've put a lot of miles on that, and I really like it so far. Um, what else about it? I think that's about it as far as bicycles go. I did a 24-hour uh, – we have that 24-hour St. Jude road ride mm-hmm. race thing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, yeah, it was fun. So you The just charity ride that people treat as a race. Yeah, they absolutely treat it as a race, which is fine yeah. I mean, because they, yeah. they make it's no qualms about it. They've yeah. got proper timing there. I mean, it's not like it's a Grand Fondo that's gotten out of control. It is a closed course, looped route that has like chip timing. I mean, you can't get yeah. mad when people get competitive, and it's it's all for fun. I mean, people do it and to get charity. a big team up. Yeah, and it's for charity, and we had a lot of fun. So I did it with a, a local race team who had fielded two teams, so you could like help each other, and they just ended up tying. Uh, we won, which is cool, and we just tied for first because we literally cross the finish line at the same time so that's really cool um cool. yeah had a good time rode the road bike really hard um yeah it hurt <laughs> basically <laughs> for 24 and, hours well i didn't know thank god uh i did i was on a team of 12 so i did two one hour stints for a total of two hours oh okay but the difficult part about it is just the logistics of it is i had to get there i worked a whole day and then i got there and I had to race at uh, 8.30 p.m., uh-huh. so I was already, you know, had a full day, and that's not a big deal, me racing at 8.30, uh, but then I had to, like, take a nap and then wake up at 4.30 a.m. Yeah. And, do, and do another stint, and then I didn't stay for the rest because I was freaking tired after that, so I just went home. Yeah. But it was good. No issues. Um, everybody had fun, and it's just good stuff. It's kind of like the 12 Hours of Stanky, the mountain bike race, so you just... You know, the pits are a lot of fun. People are grilling and people are camping and chatting and, um, you know, all the teams kind of hang out. It was fun. I mean, it's a really cool event. So if anybody is in, in the Memphis area and wants to do the St. Jude 24-hour ride and wants to field a team, it was a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. It was really cool. Um, you know, and it's a pretty serious event. It's all shut down. The whole road shut down. And they've got, you know, a giant hospitality tent with food. And uh, I don't think they had – I don't think they serve beer. But they had all kinds of food, like they have coffee, barbecue, and coffee, and it was cool. So I did. I I, I was a crew person for someone one year, so I I remember the coffee very clearly. (laughs) But it was cool, and it's getting bigger and bigger. There were a lot of people this year. It was crazy how many people were out there. So many TT bikes too. Oh god, it was it was terrifying. St. Jude is good. Uh, Yep, that's it for me. So you guys go ahead. Oh, I got uh, I got my boon, well the frame set, and I put the parts off of my road bike on it, um, and it's and it's red. I took it for a ride, rode about three hours, did a route that I'm pretty familiar with, just so I could like, you know, kind of compare apples to apples, and uh, I mean compared to like my tie bike, it's just marginally stiffer as far as like standing up and pedaling. I wouldn't say a lot. I mean, it's it's just barely noticeable. Like, I think someone who didn't really know my bike, um, if they rode both bikes, they probably wouldn't notice a difference in, like, stand and hammer. Sorry, there goes the wambulance. 
<laughs> Uh-oh. Reverb's broken. <laughs> That's the Srambulance. <laughs> um, I don't think you'd notice much of a difference. It is, the build is about a pound lighter, um, though it does not include a front derailleur like I built it one by for now because I've got to get a different um, power meter crank. I'm going to sell my uh, hologram SL crank that I had on my road bike and get a nice, like another, you know, another power meter crank for this bike. So right now it's one by and it's a pound lighter than my road bike. Uh, what else? I did notice though, like if you're wondering like carbon versus tie, the carbon is definitely lighter. Um, but going down like a very poor road surface, not gravel, but just like crap. It used to be a gravel road and it's like they just scraped all the gravel off and now it's just shitty asphalt. Um, I could feel way more vibration in my hands and feet, not in the, not in my ass, like not on the saddle because, uh, it's got that ISO speed decoupler. And that felt very much like my tie road bike, which has, it's like big, big tie tubing. It's not like your normal skinny tie frame. It's like big tie tubing, massive down tube. It's got basically they put together like a tandem down tube and chainstay sort of sizing. Like that's, that's the best I can describe it. Like it's just big tubing. Um, so it's really stiff, but it rides super smooth. Um, Seat-wise, it was about the same. Like, that iso-speed decoupler that's in the boon um, does a really good job with that. But the rest of the bike, you know, it doesn't have that same feature on it. So, you know, there was a little bit more vibration there. Um, but it wasn't anything that, you know, would make me uncomfortable. I just noticed that it was different. Um, but, yeah, it's a good bike. I like it a lot. It's fun. I'm not selling my road frame because it's a unicorn but uh, I am selling my mountain bike frame. So if anyone's interested in a small to medium sized, and I say it's like between sizes, um, smallish to medium-ish uh, titanium hardtail, um, that one is for sale, the Cisco. Um, it's, got a, it's got the wheels manufacturing eccentric bottom bracket in it, so you can run it. Sing- oh, did you take that out? Matt's shaking his head at me. It's PF30. It's PF30, but it I've got- Creek headset in it tapered headset yeah so um i took the seat post out yeah i took the seat post out so that's not for for sale with it anymore i sold that already it's frame axle rear axle a couple extra dropouts and a headset and a seat post collar that's all you get yeah it's the paragon poly drop dropouts um so they're interchangeable uh all right well that's it. If you're interested in that tie frame, hit me up, Andrea at mountainbikeradio.com. I got a fat bike this week. Oh, first I got a trailer. I got a trailer this week. Found a Bob trailer used, finally. I've been searching and searching and searching, and I finally found a used Bob trailer, um, which is really cool. I've wanted one for a long time. Uh, I found that, and then I also got a fat bike this week. Um, I got a Trek Farley 7 as my employee demo bike through the shop, and I've ridden it a total of 16 miles, and it is 32 pounds <laughs> with tubes. I didn't weigh it after I set it up tubeless because, oh my God. well, yeah, it's fine. We're going to go on a fat bike ride tomorrow. I got one of my shop's fat bike demo bikes. Yep, uh, so that's that. 
Um, it's pretty much it. Uh, we have some, what do you call those things? We have some questions. Some, no, well, we have some donations. Oh this yeah. Week. Donations. Um, so first and foremost, starting, we'll go in order of ascending, um, make it rainness. Sam C from Minnesota sent in $5. Scott Tandy from California sent in $10. Maxim B from Quebec, a eh? gave $10. Canadian dollars? Uh, I don't know. Just dollars. Maple leaves with $1 written on them? I don't know. It was probably maple leaves covered in maple syrup. Oh, like to God, like, I love maple syrup. To like syrup. take a, a leaf and a dollar and like glue them together <laughs> and then put them in the post. <laughs> eh? Uh, <laughs> Mike H. from California sent in $25. And then um, Kyle G. from Washington um, he just sent in an unprecedented amount of make it rainness um, that we are greatly appreciative of. Damn, Kyle, that yeah. was that was pretty rad. There that was, was super super rad. There was more than one zero. Yeah, so uh, it, it's really good and and really cool. I don't know why I oh, I fixed it. Yay! I fixed myself. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, so yeah, that was the first thing. Thank the, you, Kyle. The second thing that I really want to cover that we haven't is Nexty now makes a fat bike wild dragon 90 millimeter tri spoke. I thought we talked about that last we, week. We didn't. We never talked Can about that. Can we just that. call it next tie? Because it looks like a next tie. Like someone is is mispronouncing necktie and they're saying next tie. Like, can we just call it that? Uh, it, it's just that I need you to understand that out there <laughs> in the world, there are now carbon fiber tri-spoke fat bike wheels available in white, Ferrari red, orange, <laughs> hot pink, blue, yellow, floor and green, other purple within decal colors available as well. Uh, the thing that's so amazing is the claimed weight on them is. 2300 fucking grams for a set or for one uh for <laughs> for a set uh so they're really fucking heavy um yeah i actually don't if i was tasked with building heavier wheels i don't think i could as a joke i'm sure for a fat bike you could but i don't know that i could i mean i'd, I'd make everything as heavy as i could and i'd be like well i got no more weight i can't actually, do anything else i guess you could just put like 10 rim strips in it or something the uh the bon I found out from um, one of our listeners through Snapchat of all places. Um, one of our the uh, Bontrager line wheel. We were talking about the nine point eight uh, fuel ex and how it would be hard to make it lighter without kind of reducing its function. Um, the wheels that come on that, like I didn't realize it. But those wheels are like twenty two hundred, twenty three hundred grams. Like they're in the low two thousands. Which bike is this? The Fuel EX 9.8, which is kind of like the 9.8 is always like, you know, like the good race build. The 9.9 is like the, the all out baller build. That's just not possible. That's a, that's a mistake. Like, that's just not possible. I, I don't know. They're big, like they're big, uh, like wide rims. Like, I, I think it could be possible. I don't think it's possible. It's plausible. What kind of hubs does it have? Uh, line hubs or something. Uh, I don't remember. They're so fuel. I think they're Bontrager. Fuel EX 
Matt's Googling. 9.8. 27.5 plus or 29er? It's 29. Boop, there's no, boop, there's no boop, way. Boop. Dude, there's a way. There's no fucking way. Dude, there's a way. And I can't go back and look at the conversation because it was Snapchat and I don't really. It's gone. Like the wheels that came on my Niner are like pinned and eyeletted and have no name hubs with like a steel free hub body and all this garbage and straight gauge spokes and they weigh 1900. But they're not like 30 millimeters wide like these wheels are. So it has to be a different year model that I just looked up because it says this comes with. Is that the wrong year? Yeah, this is on the 2017. Okay. Fuck. Uh, I guess that's a trail bike? Yeah, probably. God, remember when you could go to Trek's website and you could select the model from the goddamn drop-down? That was a wonderful fucking time. That was it. Make the Trek website great again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I have a pet peeve on on websites and navigation. I hate when people try to make websites pretty, but then they're not fucking functional. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. So I'll I'll, I'll bitch about Cannondale's website because it just sucks, and someone needs to hear it. It is so fucking terrible, and they just have these arbitrary, random ass categories for bikes. <laughs> um, oh, they fixed it! Oh my god, it was for 2016 when you clicked on bikes. It would be like one said trail, and one was like big trail, and then they had like over mountain. And then, like, a fat bike was in over mountain, and it just made no fucking sense whatsoever. It was ridiculous. Now they just have, like, road, mountain, cyclocross, women's, fitness, e-bikes, like, normal normal categories again. Thank God. So dumb. They still do some oh, – yeah, they still do some dumb stuff, though. It's not quite as bad. They've got trail and sport and cross-country and all-mountain. They got rid of that over-mountain thing or whatever the hell it was. Over-mountain. So dumb. All right, well, are we ready to, uh, are you still? Well, here's the problem. I can't find those Bontrager wheels. They don't give weights on their wheel sets on their website. That looked like them that you just had pulled up. No, but the fancier version weighs 1,900 grams. Okay, well, that would make sense then. So like the the Line Elite, which should be a little lighter, is 1,900 grams. So it would make sense that the Line Comp, is a an over two thousand gram wheel set. Boom. So turns out that EX fuel EX nine point eight, if you lose the over two thousand gram wheel set, I mean there are plenty of wheel sets that are I mean not not weak, not flexy, like that would still stand up to that sort of use. And not be over 2,000 grams. So there's a spot where you could take some major weight out of that bike. Yeah, I mean, the problem is is you can get lighter wheels for $600 from stands. Yeah, you could get Flow EXs. No, Flow MK3s. Get wide. That's what I mean. Oh, my Crest Mark 3s came in, so I'm going to build those. And if I didn't talk about it before, I might have, but I'm doing I9s with Aerolites and... uh, Crest Mark 3s. Trail compliance. Fuck yeah. Carbon's I-9s. dead. Carbon's dead. Carbon is not dead. I still like carbon. It is. All right. So carbon, have- carbon is neat, but. All you haters suck my balls. Too. All right. We're going <laughs> to jump into the first question now because it's y'all. a doozy. Mike from SC or South Carolina or uh, South Columbia. I can't remember at this point. I've had too much wine and 
cocaine between then and now. Just kidding. I never have cocaine ever. <laughs> um, it's really expensive. Yeah. And we all know that I'm a cheap son of a bitch. So there's no way that I would buy cocaine. Um, Mike from South Carolina says, Hey guys, I think your show is hilarious and educational, especially the bike advice, camping stories, daily stories, and the advertising of cheap stuff. I would like to hear how each of you got to where you are. Like from your first memory of riding a bike to racing and working on bikes. Keep the awesome shows rolling. Thanks. Mike Cox, a member of the Spartanburg Mountain Bike Association from Spartanburg, South Carolina. So if you're in South Carolina, Thank the Spartanburg Mountain Bike Association for the trails that those guys have and gals have put together for you. Um, and uh, I'd say um, he's offered a, a great question. Um, I'm going to look at the clock here. I'm going to give myself a, sh- uh, a minute to summarize this. Whoa, the best only a minute? Can we have two minutes each? All right, we'll go. This, two, is, a, this is a big one. We'll go two minutes each. Um, I got my first bike when I was three. By the time that I was five, it had been custom painted, and uh, by the time that I was seven, it was broken and rewelded in my <laughs> father's garage. Um, when in '98, so I was nine years old, I got a BMX race bike used, and I started racing BMX. By about 2005, all of my BMX buddies were doing drugs and getting arrested and getting in trouble, and I decided I didn't want to do that. So I graduated high school in 2006. I started college in 2006 fall. I got my first mountain bike after that first year of school finished. So that was 2007 summer. I went to a bike, a different bike shop and I bought a used mount or a used road bike. I then went to a different bike shop and bought tires. I then started working there after they had a help wanted sign. Um, I worked on all my own BMX stuff with my father's help. Um, and then I got a job at the bike shop and I worked at a couple of different bike shops. I worked at a printing, grand format printing business for about two years and change. And now I'm back in the bike industry. Um, yeah. And it, it popped up recently that I guess it was nine years ago. I did my first mountain bike race, which was the Lakeland 250. I'm so, amazed at how many people think that there's climbing at Lakeland. It's how many, how much climbing is at Lakeland, Kenny? It's slightly less than, uh, I think it's like 90 feet per mile. Maybe a hundred feet per mile. It's right around a hundred. I mean, so for Memphis, that's a lot. For Memphis, I know. For it's... Memphis, that's a lot. Um, I mean, that's kind of average west, out west climbing for a, a normal ride. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really not bad. Um, and it's not, the thing is, none of it's sustained at all. Exactly. I mean, the, the longest climb is 10 seconds long, but it's up, down, up, down, up, down. So it's very taxing. Um, and it's a good trainer, but it's not good training for sitting in and getting good at, at 30 minute climbs, unfortunately. Right. So, I mean, that was my first mountain bike race. I did 11 laps. That's awesome. I can remember that. Um, it was absolutely terrible. I did it on a, a, <laughs> a, a 26 inch, a, a size large, 26 not even inch an extra large. specialized stump jumper, alloy, hardtail. Was it borrowed or did you? It was borrowed. V brakes with dual control levers oh oh god oh that's the bad part are how did you not fucking die (laughs) um well uh like go to shift and just like go over the bars because you also braked i was like 19 at the time so i was pretty hard to kill um and also i didn't know any fucking better 
Man, if you can if you can make it through that. Everyone over the age of thirty is laughing their ass off at this right now. The what? dumbass shit that I did when I was young. Good God, that, I cannot believe I'm not dead. That's what I mean. When I say hard to kill, I was, I was like, 19, so I was pretty hard to kill. I mean, I was just a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> I tried to die like twice a week, and I didn't succeed. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that. Oh, man. Oh, man. That was, that a, was way more than two minutes. Yeah, it was. But that last comment was worth it, so it's okay. Yeah. So what was the question? How did you get started? Started at the bottom. Now you're here. What's the bottom? Oh, first memory of riding a bike. Uh, yeah, I. It doesn't matter. I, I had like this shitty 16 inch kids bike, and my 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 training wheels wouldn't let me ride in the gravel road, like the the gravel driveway, because they would get caught in the holes. So I had my parents take them off, or my dad take them off, and I just like didn't have a problem riding without training wheels. And now I'm a straight stunner. <laughs> All right, that's it for me. I'll dig up some pictures of my first bike and send them over to post with the show. I had like this. Uh, so I didn't learn how to ride a bike without training wheels until I was 12. Um, which set me back a little bit. And I blame the patriarchy because my parents would buy. Uh, yeah, I had like dolls and, you know, like. The at home, like the, the kids kitchen set and easy bake oven instead of a bicycle without training wheels. Um, but anyway, uh, my first bike was this like pink, not a banana seat, but like a large V shaped seat. Um, that I learned, yeah, I, I finally learned how to ride on that and rode it till I grew out of it. Didn't ride for a while, and my dad got me, finally got me like a Walmart bike. And there was a park near my house where there was a ditch that you could, that people had like mounded dirt up out of it. So you could like roll down this hill through a ditch and then jump out of it. And I just totally killed a Huffy, like a Walmart Huffy. Um, Enter Gerald. Damn it, Andrea. <laughs> you could mess up a crowbar. Yeah. <laughs> So my dad basically took me to the closest bike shop, which I think was Bike Line in Germantown, and said, what is the cheapest mountain bike I can buy her that she won't do this to? Uh, and I got a Univega mountain bike, and I didn't break it. Uh, I rode it until I had a car. Um, so from about the age of, you know, like 13 to 16, um, I rode this Univega, and I... Uh, then it sat in my parents' garage for a long time, and then I started riding bikes again in 2006. I'm not going to bore you with trying to do the math on the gap there, but um, in 2006, I was uh, not a teenager anymore. And um, that That's nine years. There you go. Um, so 2006, I started riding again. I started uh, road racing uh, basically I, I borrowed a friend's hybrid bike, like one of the 26 inch wheel hybrids with a suspension seat post and a like little bitty suspension fork. Trek navigator for those in the know. I don't think it had a number. It wasn't. No, I mean, but named. it's like a navigator style bike. Yeah, it was. Um, I borrowed one of those and I went on a couple of group rides with some running friends of mine. And mind you, these people aren't really fast 
bike riders, but they're not slow either. Um, and they're fit for me. Yeah, they're runner. like fit from running. And basically in Memphis, the trails kind of grow up in the summertime. So in the summertime, they would road bike. Um, so they're all like reasonably fit middle to later aged adults. And I'm on this like hybrid bike and I'm keeping up with them on their road bikes. And they're like, you really should try road biking. You're pretty good at it. And so I got a road bike and I, uh, from there on, like I started road racing and it was a lot of fun for a long time. I got really good at it. Uh, got a little burnt out at it. And so I started mountain biking and, uh, it's just, I started mountain biking in like 2009 and just kept going on and on from there. And so uh, that's really it. Kenneth? Uh, I started at the top, still at the top. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <Damn>. Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, let's see. Way back when, so when I moved to Memphis in 95, one of our neighbors was a local triathlete, fast guy, and, uh, you know, kind of got the all the neighborhood kids onto, like, nice bikes, basically. So I got a nice bike in 95. It was a KHS A-Lite 1000 alloy with full XT. It was super sweet. Yeah, it started life as, like, a rigid fork, but I put, like, a, it had a RockShox Indy SL, which was a noodle. I don't even know if it was 28 mil stanchions. God, it was hilarious. It was like 26. Uh, it could have been. God, they were they were skinny. I weighed like 100 pounds, and that thing still <laughs> like flex. Like even even I knew that it was a flexy ass fork. Um, so that was kind of cool. But yeah, it had uh, like nice wheels. It was full XT. Um, yeah, it was fun. So I learned on that bike as far as like you know doing bike maintenance and all that stuff. Had an ice blue Chris King headset. It was balling. Oh man! I'll have to find some pictures of that bike. It was actually legitimately nice. But like all bikes in the mid '90s, the ergonomics were just shit because like nobody knew better and nobody made proper products. You know, it had that tiny ass little flat bar and like a long stem, and it was low in the front. Well, it was like a 26 inch um, fat wheeled road bike. Basically, yeah, and just the ergonomics were so fucking terrible, and the suspension was so terrible. Other than that, it was great. Like, it shifted great. It was reliable. The brakes were good, um, for rim brakes at least. And it was actually a very good bike. So I raced that a decent amount in, like, middle school. So I raced it in, like, from probably 96 to, like, 98, 99, and then I got a car and didn't really do that so much anymore. And went to college and got pretty lazy and uh, grew a fro and worked in the corporate world and got kind of fat. And then I decided, hey, I got some money. I'll buy a nice bike. So I bought a – what did I buy? I bought a Rocky Mountain ETSX, a 2006. And it was a great bike. I love that bike. So it had proper suspension. Like it was the uh, – it was a dual link bike. I remember that. And I mean, suspension wise, it was great. It was like 130 mil travel back and it had a 150 uh, Talus, Fox Talus in the front that you could bring down to like 120. And most of the time I rode it 120 uh, front, 130 rear. And it was good. It went through a bunch of different life cycles. Uh, it had, at one point it had downhill Mavic 823 <laughs> rims on like XT hubs. They were so bomb proof. I think I remember those also. Yeah, they were cool, and then it had cross maxes at one point, and it had a different Fox Fork at one point, and then it went one by nine 
with like a downhill roller front thing. <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> Pretty funny. Didn't the Crossmax wheels end at the same time your open face uh, helmet riding ended? No, no. When I crashed, I didn't hurt my bike at all. Um, it was yeah, it was on the UTSX on the Rocky Mountain. Uh, but I mean, bike wise, it was totally fine. Um, so, and I was relatively okay. I like, uh, except for the part where you broke your face. Yeah, I broke my face and I, um, dislocated my shoulder and I can't subtract anymore. But other than that, (laughs) it's all fine. So what else? What other bikes? Uh, and then of course went through a whole bunch of stuff. And then finally when I started working, oh, so I worked in the corporate world, decided to make a change and, uh, came over to, to, uh, outdoors where I'm at now. And, and I was Kenny's boss for a while. Yeah. And I was on, <laughs> and I had a ton of fun. We had a really cool crew there. It was uh, me and you and Matt Robbins. Oh yeah. He's that like a fun. freaking, like a, a, a doctor PhD. Now. He's Dr. Robbins he, now. Yeah. He's a doctor. He's a doctor of physical therapy. Really cool. So that was really fun. Like that summer was really cool. Um, yeah, we had a really good time. We got a lot of shit done for sure. And then I got 29 curious and, uh, finally got one of those, got a, Redline monocoque single speed 29. I went, did everything in one fell swoop, did 29 and single speed all at once and ended up building that bike up really nice. And it was still heavy, but it was very reliable. I raced it exclusively for like two years and it was awesome. I had a good, lot of fun on that bike. And we had then, a good race at her. And then I bought that sector fork from you or recon fork from you. Yeah. yeah. I bought the fork and Cane Creek, uh, 40 headset from you for 200 bucks. God, I've got all kinds of stories on that one. Yeah, so that one was <laughs> that was a recon fork that I employee purchased for an insanely good price. And then a customer brought in a Reba and like changed their air spring out for some reason. And so I put the dual air air spring <laughs> in the solo air uh recon and it was awesome. That fork felt so good. And yeah, that thing worked great. And then you ended up buying it and I guess you rode it for a while and who knows who owns it now. Uh, that fork made its way. Did it stay on the monocogue when it got sold? No, the monocogue was sold rigid. And I see that bike on Facebook still. If I ever see it for sale, I'm probably going to buy it. Oh, God. Um, so where'd that fork end up? Um, Paul Hearn. That was on the bike that oh. I traded to Paul Hearn for those Envy wheels. <laughs> Man, so there's no telling where that fork is. My God. What is that guy doing now? He sells cars what? and he's married. Yeah, sells cars, married, oh. has a bunch of kids. Really? Um, no. I don't think, I think, I think he, he watches his other, he watches kids that aren't his or something. I don't oh, know. Okay. But anyway, he's uh, like friend super, him on Facebook like just so I can uncle. watch that. <laughs> I think we might be getting off topic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Maybe. <laughs> yeah. What else? Um, we'll talk about it after we finish. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that after. So what bike am I on? So I went to single speed 29, loved it. And then I finally, uh, we got, we just became a Niner dealer and I re- I rode our demo jet nine alloy, the 80 mil travel rear version. And it was like a 2011 model, I believe. And it was fantastic. Like I just knew immediately after I rode that it reminded me a lot of my Rocky Mountain pedaled efficiently. Um, but it was just fast. Like I just loved that bike. So I, I EP'd one of those and I rode, I still have it and it did break halfway through, but it didn't actually like snap in half. I'll give it that credit. It just had a bearing <laughs> issue. Like a bearing got oversized. Like it just wilded the frame out and they just couldn't do anything about it because that design was super terrible where you press a bearing directly into a frame. 
instead of into a link. So if anything ever goes wrong, your frame is completely kaput instead of just a little aluminum link. So yeah, anyway, that, that's do that. Yeah, oh, it's such a bad idea. But anyway, great bike, loved it, and I have the hundred mil travel version and still have it, and it's a great bike. So I mean, I haven't had like that many bikes really because when I get something, I usually do my homework on it, get what I really want, and then ride the crap out of it, get it set up the way I want to, and then like don't fiddle with it too much. So that's kind of my bike history, and as far as racing goes, I kind of just been ever since two thousand and eight or so, I've been racing a decent amount. I mean. I would hardly call it a lot, but, you know, some years I do 15 races, some years I do five. Like, it just kind of depends. But I do definitely a lot of riding. I, I try to do, I don't know. I mean, miles don't really mean much because, you know, mountain miles versus road miles versus yeah. Memphis miles versus Colorado miles are all very <laughs> different. But I guess hour-wise is probably a better way to do it. I usually do five hours a week. I mean, that's kind of what I average. It's nothing bonkers, just normal normal stuff but long yeah, that's kind live of long rides yeah that's kind of kind of my history on that and i mean the reason i started doing the bike stuff to begin with as far as working in the industry is just i'd like to work on my own stuff anyway and i like to know how everything works and why everything does the way it does and i just don't trust people for shit working on my own stuff because most people are idiots uh and that's yeah that's kind of why i just ended up at the bike shop yeah that's kind of how i was too like i mean it wasn't that i didn't trust the people working on my bikes because I mean, Memphis has a few good mechanics, and I think I found them for the most part until I started doing all my own stuff. Um, yeah, but I mean, I I did like when I started, especially when I started mountain biking. It's like I'm not gonna go out into the middle of nowhere and not know how to fix my own stuff. Like I know some people are cool with that. I'm not cool with that because I go, I go on, I I get, I get into some shit. I just couldn't imagine being like a self-sufficient mountain biker and like not knowing how to work on your stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally crazy. I mean, mountain bikes need a lot of attention. They just do. Right. So. Right. Yeah. You're either like, you either have a lot of money and you bring it into the shop all the time or you know how to do it yourself and you work on it or you don't know how to do it yourself and you don't have the money or wherewithal to bring it into the shop and you just neglect your mountain bike and you're one of those people that brings it in. You're like, Oh, the shifting's a little crappy. And like your stanchions are rubbed raw and your chain is at like two millimeters of stretch and your whole drivetrain's clapped out and all your cable housing is like imploding. And it's like, yeah, you need to spend $800 to make this right again. And you're like, uh, can you just make it shift better? <laughs> There's no in between. <laughs> All right, so I think that covers that question. What's our what's our next question? Next question is um let's see. Let me delete that one real quick cuz I never go through in the order in which they're added to the sheet. I just think everyone out there should know that. I just go through all willy-nilly. I keep looking at my boon sitting like leaning up against the bookshelf over there and it's just sexy. Just thought you guys might want to know that. All right, so Nick from Connecticut. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Nick. So I'm at least another season out from getting a new bike, but already constantly researching what the next purchase will be. Most all of the bikes I'm looking at are brands my local bike shop does not carry. Trek, Santa Cruz, Specialized, and a few online brands. I'm looking for a 130 to 140 
travel full suspension trail bike for three thousand dollars. The twenty seventeen commensal meta TR V four point two is really standing out to me at twenty nine hundred coming with pike, an NX dumpster fire, and a dropper post. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the better direct to consumer bands brands such as commensal, YT, and Canyon? Have you ridden any of them? I know Moto Bacon is junk, but are the other brands ridden by quite a few pros and get excellent reviews? Um, if I'm going to be purchasing a bike from someone other than my... Oh, shit. Did I just push continue recording or stop recording? Continue. Yeah. If I'm going to purchase a bike from somewhere other than my local bike shop, but still getting all my services done there, does it matter if it's online? What are the positives and negatives? Thanks for the help. Nick in Connecticut. Um, I don't know. I feel like NX is going to be the new X7 dumpster fire. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can only speak for YT Industries because I have a customer that has one, and he beats the absolute shit out of it. And other than, like, general wear and tear where you would expect, like, you know, like the wheels don't stay true. Um, he's had two reverbs warranted. I mean, rightfully so, though, right? Like, they don't say yeah. true because they're junk. They just don't yeah, say true because he's beating the shit. He is, like, he, I, I, I pretty, I'm pretty sure that he rides it like a downhill bike. Like, he goes to the, you know, he's got, like, a season past all the bike parks. And, I mean, I think he just, like, he wails on it. It's like a carbon YT. And I don't even remember, what, it's a 1 by 11 SRAM bike, maybe X01 or something. You know, it's just like a freaking mule that he just beats. And I mean, it seems, you know, it's lasted. You know, everything that's worn out on it is has come by it, honestly. You know. So I can't say anything bad about them. Yeah, I don't think, I have no problem personally when somebody brings in a bike that we don't carry. I don't care at all. I just don't want someone to be upset when I can't get some weird ass suspension pivot or something like that or yeah. or they expect me to get some weird ass suspension pivot in 2 days from some direct only manufacturer that I have to like spend all kinds of legwork, you know, getting tracking stuff down for. So as long as customers understand that getting some proprietary stuff can be a pain in the ass, everything else, I mean, a bike's a bike for the most part uh if it's decent. So it really comes down to if in a full suspension bike is do you like the suspension design? Is the suspension design sustainable? Is it maintainable? You know, is it going to, is it going to creak and do all kinds of weird shit? Um, so for me, when it comes to a full suspension bike, I just don't trust the random companies. Cause I have no idea. It could be fantastic. I have no idea. I would just rather have a bike that I know is hashed out and I know doesn't have just, you know, isn't plagued with issues. Uh, you know, breaking a certain pivot or something working loose or, you know, a bearing that wears out every week. Um, <laughs> and I just don't know. I don't know on that bike. It could be great. It could be complete shit. Yeah, I don't uh, know about that one either. I can say that this one customer, so we're talking about a sample size of one. Um, my one customer that has a YT, uh, I've test ridden his bike a few times just after doing other stuff and it's never made noise. So there's that. Oh cool. my god! What? I'm just I'm back to Kenny on the Cannondale site. Like YT is a direct to consumer online bike company, and their website that's it, the bike that he has that you're looking at right now. It is just absolute garbage. Their website is really hard to use. 
Ooh, I want to see. Do we need I want to see. It, should we keep rolling just, or should we? It's, I don't know. Oh, I mean, God. I already know. I already know I'm not going to like it because it's got. Yeah, like this homepage is just this giant like poster already. And you scroll down, and this is – God, I fucking hate this. Santa Cruz does this a little bit too. Like when the background does You scroll down, and the background has to like – it like moves up, and shit moves around. I'm like, god damn it. Just give me like a static menu that I can click on that has proper information on it. (laughs) Yeah. It's so ridiculous. You can still make a website interactive and pretty and all that kind of stuff, and it be organized and make sense. And this is not how you do it. Boom. Oh, Not how you do it. terrible. God um, damn. So, Nick, the problem is, unfortunately, we don't know. Yeah, don't buy a Moto Bacon. Yeah, you've got Moto, that right. Moto Bacon, Moto Bacon, Moto Bacon. It's going to be a problem. Um, You know, I don't know anything about the online companies. I just bought a Santa Cruz because they don't really break. Um, But you won't get a Santa Cruz for three grand. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I know with Canyon, like, Karen and Jeff... Friends of ours, you know, Topeka gun riders, like they they ride canyons and and they're paid to ride them. I mean, well, that's I mean, the I've line. never like. I mean, I've talked to Karen like friend to friend before and been like, "Hey, do you really like this bike?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, it's a nice bike. I like it." I can't yeah. say that for all of my friends who actually are paid to ride like all two or <laughs> all two or three of them who are paid to ride the bike that they ride. Um, yeah. People are fascinating, though. There's a lot of people that genuinely almost don't care. Like, if it's a decent bike, they don't care if one suspension design is a little bit different than the other. You know, they're just not picky enough, which is fine because, hey, if you like it and it makes you confident and you can ride fast on it, that's great. Um, but some people are just happy with, like, whatever they ride if it's if it's nice. So yeah. it sounds like that might be one of those people, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, just, uh, yeah, some people just don't give a shit. Um, I definitely know some people, <laughs> I won't name names, but if he's listening to the show, I'm sure he'll know that uh, I'm talking about him. And he, like, doesn't care what it is. It just doesn't, like, matter. And he he can, like, ride it hard and ride it fast. And he's just like, oh, yeah, it's great. You know, like, I'll I'll spend time and, like, you know, tweak his fork and, like, you know, it'll come in and it's feeling all shitty. And, I like, I'll totally go through it. Everything is, like, mint when it leaves the shop. I'm like, hey, man, how's the fork? He's like, I don't know, about the same as before. Felt good. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? How'd you fucking ride that before? It was You're gonna so have to bad. tell us who that is off there. Uh, I will, yeah. But I uh, took your anyway, fork from like Petro Mud garbage to like fucking buttery smooth, and you're like, eh, it squishes. Yeah, you know, it's like exactly. It's like I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's got one brake lever that's like hitting the bar, and the other one's like so far out you can't even initially grab it. And they're like different levels of squishiness and all that. And I'll like fix all it and get it all symmetrical and. You know, hey man, how are your brakes? Well, feel good. I can stop. I didn't hit any trees today. It's good. <laughs> yeah, he's always good. You know, try a different tire or something. How's the new tire, man? It's Hell good. there. Yeah. How was the old one? It was good. <laughs> it was good till the rim touched the ground. So I got a new one. Now it's better than the old one. <laughs> like, oh, man. that's funny. Uh, so Chris from the internet says, "Help." I don't know if he he miss. And here's the problem. I don't know if he misspelled help. Or misspelled hello because it's H E L L P. It says <laughs> help. It's either help JRA crew or hello JRA crew. I don't know which. Um, I'm currently riding a 2013 Trek Superfly comp that I've swapped out the Avid brakes for XTs. Whoop, whoop. That's good. And changed the SRAM 2x10 to a 1x10 with a Wolf 232 tooth front and Sunrace rear Cognier. I don't know what a Cognier is. Uh, both the frames, wheels, it's and It's probably forks. that thing that you're using. Fuck you. 
Float the frame. Wheels, you don't even know how to pronounce it. And you're using it on your bike. Are all near the end of life. <laughs> this has me looking for a new bike. With all the deals on last year's models, I've narrowed it down to two. 2016 Trek Pro Caliber 9.8 or the 2016 Scott Scale 910. Both will be roughly the same price at my local bike shop, but I'm not too concerned about the shifting and braking bits as they will wear out of time, wear out over time, and can be upgraded as needed. The suspension, I think, does favor the Scott with Fox over the Reba, though. <laughs> However, the question is, is it time to upgrade to Boost Boost? The Trek is Boost front and rear, and the Scott is 142 by 12 and 100 front. Thanks for the show and the advice. I'm looking forward to hear your thoughts. Chris from the internet. That's between you and hub standard Jesus. No, I would never buy a Fox fork again in my life <laughs> at this point in my life. At one point in the future, I'm going to buy a Fox and then every listener is going to send me hate mail and talk <laughs> shit to me. I mean, they do that already, so it's okay. Fuck them. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you think, Kenny? I think that uh, on the fork thing, they definitely flip around from year to year. Certain years, Fox has really good offerings, and they're solid. Other years, RockShox has really good offerings. For the most part, I'll say that RockShox for the past at least 10 years has been unbelievably solid. For the most part, they might not have the best fork, um, but and definitely Fox over the past few years has knocked it out of the park with the Fox 34 and the step cast and the fit damper and all that kind of stuff. But not the original fit, sorry, fit four. And beyond all the other fits suck like they're terrible um so the fit four and beyond is good anyway uh forgetting fork semantics for a second um what else we were talking about oh hub standards so in my opinion boost i don't give a shit about it it makes a lot more sense on a full suspension bike when you're really tasked with making uh chain stay short especially on a 29er uh, it's a really big deal. So anything you can do to tuck that rear wheel in is great. So Boost 148 is fantastic on a full suspension 29. It's definitely good on other bikes as well. On a hardtail, eh, I don't really care. I think they're fine as they are personally. Um, I just I wouldn't buy one bike over another if they were both hardtails just based on hub standards. I would not buy one if there was like quick release. That's ridiculous. But if it's through axle, just buy it. It's going to be fine. Um and he's right. I think he's making a pretty good decision on not worrying so much about like brakes and drivetrain because those not a not a huge deal. Uh, but getting like really solid the frame you want, the wheels. Uh, good wheels, this, a good suspension. Um, that's definitely important. Oh, on the brake thing, I've got actually some input. So I got the Avid with my uh, RKT. It came with. I guess they're not Avid, sorry, I guess they're SRAM because Avid's a bad name and they don't, they want to go away from that. But anyway, the DB5, I guess it's not technically a level brake, even though it looks like a level brake. It's got Correct. The, is it still called a level DB5? Is it called a level DB5 no. or okay. is it just no. called the DB5? DB5. Okay. Regardless, came with DB5s and I was like, eh, fuck it. It came with them, I'll try them. So I cut them to size and I took my uh, dual piston uh, guide oh, RSCs off and kind of set them aside for right now. And I put these on the single speed on the aluminum bike just because I was like, hey, I'll try them. And they're fine. I was like really surprised. They have nice solid lever feel to them. Uh, good. Yeah, I was super impressed. They're not overly crazy powerful. They're definitely not the guides, but they're not like lacking power. Uh, they're consistent. They don't make any weird noises. Uh, lever feels good. They are not super duper heavy. And I put all a bunch of tie bolts on them because that's what I do. Ugh. 
And yeah. Not tie rotor bolts, did you? Oh yeah, I got tie rotor bolts, tie uh I got the special bar clamp from the World Cup uh the old World Cup elixirs. <laughs> and they're super light. It's crazy. It's like free twenty grams sitting there on your bar. So if you use those clamshell things, you uh you're losing out. So you need to go find those World Cup it's like this little band clamp looking thing. I know what you're talking about. Oh, they're so cool. Uh, anyway, got those. they're like silver in color, and they're like extra flimsy feeling. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Make like them black they, too. they look like they're not hinged, but you can still. They're so flimsy, you can like open oh. them up and take them off of the bar instead of sliding. No, but them once off the they're end. once they're on, they're actually super solid. Once yeah. you tighten them yeah. down, they're totally fine. I know which ones you're talking about. God, they're gotta, fantastic. Like huh? I, I like got, this. I gotta find a pair of those for my Santa. I probably Cruz. got some in my box. I know they're freaking awesome. Uh, anyway, I put those on there, and then I put like the bolts that actually cinch each part of the caliper together, like the two clamshell pieces. Those are all titanium. Oh my god! Yeah. They're the most balling ass DV fives you'll ever see in your life. They probably <laughs> are lighter than the uh, TLM uh, Ultimates or whatever those things are. <laughs> or no, yeah, not the man. TLM. Sorry, the the level TLM. Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. TLM is one, and Ultimate is another. Well, whatever the it's hell like they are. It's like level TLM, level ultimate. Yeah. Yeah, so my DB5s are balling. Oh, and they have aluminum pads. So well. they're legitimately super light. But long story short, those DB5s, were, they're fine. I was really shocked. Uh, they'll probably break tomorrow or I'm going to like die on a downhill. But <laughs> so far, so good. Take them for a few laps around Iron Mountain and come back. Yeah. Like where there's actually, you know, downhills and shit. So any other advice on this guy's bike? Mm. Not really. I mean, I don't know. Go with whichever one, like whichever bike shop you like best, go with that bike. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy a Fox just because their customer service doesn't really rival Shrams in my opinion. So if you do have a, I mean, if you ever- yeah. I mean, uh, other than like my reverb situation, where the guy told me to Google the part for the customer, um, their customer service has been good. I just, I, it's just reverbs, man. Fucking reverbs. Every once in a while, you're going to get a cranky customer service representative, but he probably just got off the phone with some like complete crackhead person who is being unreasonable, and then you get on the phone and he's like, well. I think he's probably already made the decision. It's like getting pulled over by a cop. He, he he's already made the decision whether he's going to write the ticket or not. It's kind of the same way I think when you call some of these people, they've already made up their mind. Like, oh, I'm not going to help this person out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So real quick, quick story. I heard one of my guys at the shop used to work for Shram, and he was a uh, he took incoming calls, and it was a consumer call, and. Him and this lady just kept going round and round. This lady was absolutely enraged beyond reconcilably. Like there was no reconciliation possible for her. Her brakes failed. Her brake pads wore out and failed in one ride. And she just kept, kept like beating that to death and beating that to death. And like he was trying to get more information out of her and like yada yada and like. Yeah, they were organic pads. They they went bad in one ride. My brake pads didn't last one whole ride. By the end of the phone conversation, she admitted it was a raining 24 fucking hour race. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
And this person had just been ripping poor Kyle to death about the fact that her brake pads didn't last one single ride. (laughs) Ignoring the fact that that one ride is probably somewhere between 20 and 28 normal people rides. (laughs) So, moving on. Uh, Maxime. Maxim. I don't know. What would that be? Would that be Maxime or Maxim from Quebec? I'm going to... I, I'm listening to you talk. I just got to put Indy outside so we can. He says, it. "Hi, JRA. I'm listening to your show since plus or minus two months. I'm really enjoy it. If you have time to answer this question, was is similar to a Chromag surface. I'm looking for a hardtail that can shred, but no ma- no Chromag dealer in my area. I would like to try before buying. Cheers. Uh, so first and foremost, let's all remember that this is probably Maxim's second language." Um, and he does that better than a lot of us do our own language. So good job for you. Uh, second of all, we don't know what dealers you do have in your area. So it's going to be hard to recommend uh, something that is similar to a Chromag Surface. But the problem you're going to run into is that's a little bit of a, as Andrew described earlier, unicorn bike at this point. It's a it's a Hartel 29er optimized around a 120 to 150 fork. So number one, that's a pretty pretty uncommon bike and number two i don't think a lot of people are going to have that in their demo fleet even if they do offer that from one of the brands that they carry just because it's a bike that a lot of people aren't going to be drawn to um oh a uh, niner ross nine if you have a niner dealer around um or if any niner demos come to your area uh that would be one that's a great idea demos come to you so that's something to to always be on the uh uh, the lookout. Yeah. So, anything from you, Kenny? No, I think the Ross could be really cool. I mean, it's a it's a pretty burly bike, good ride quality. You can find them everywhere. Um, if you don't mind an eccentric bottom bracket, you can run at single speed. All right. So, Rob from the internet, enjoy the show. I use a Rocky Mountain Blizzard 50 as my main trail bike. That's a fat bike for those of you that aren't in the know. I'm only a beginner rider. At what skill level will I outgrow this bike for trails, if ever? It was my hope that if I used a fat bike all along, my skills would develop around the hardware, allowing me to have a single bike for full year riding. Going super fast is not a priority for me. I am more interested in the idea of going anywhere on my bike and exploring. Thanks, Rob. Um, I don't know. Someone else go first, because I'm going to try to take a really positive stance <laughs> on this. I really am. Okay. Uh just get something that's not a fat bike. You might have out. You might have already outgrown it. I don't know because I don't ride with you, but I don't know about outgrowing as much as just you know, like as far as growing your skills on that bike, since it just generally rolls slower than a bike that's not a fat bike. You're not necessarily growing all of your skills. And plus, it's making up for any lack of skills with extreme traction. So, I don't know. Just like any, uh, either, you know, pick your, just like we always tell people, like, what's your budget? If it's below, I don't know, $2,500, get a nice hardtail. If it's above, maybe look for a full suspension bike. Um, you know, just exploring and getting around, you can go with the shorter travel, full suspension bike, um, something a little lighter. Um, and it'll take you just about anywhere and it'll climb well and it'll descend just fine. It's going to descend better than your fat bike. 
So that's that's what I say. Yeah, I'm still super convinced that there's not a better bike on the planet right now than a relatively short travel 29 full suspension. I just don't think there is. Um, but it depends on like, you know, I'm not into bike packing and, you know, that kind of weird stuff. But I mean, if you're, if you're okay going slow, then there's nothing wrong with the fat bike. I mean, I say that about single speed too. Um, single speed's never going to be faster. I, I really just don't think it is. There are certain so times when it uphill. makes more sense. Well, again, I just think in general, if you're on an extremely high end, well-sorted full suspension, short travel 29, it's going to be better. I mean, there's a reason you don't see a single person in World Cup racing single speed. Like, why well, is that? Yeah. Right? I mean, if it was faster, people would race it. But that's not necessarily the way to look at it. So if you're not interested in going super fast, I think single speeds can be fantastic. They're reliable. They're light. They're cheap. Um, there's something very pure about them. They teach you a lot. Like, you can do. actually learn a lot from a single speed. They do. But I just don't want, you know, I'm also a performance-oriented person, and I like tangible benefits of bikes so you know i know for me a short travel full suspension 29 is going to go fast everywhere and can do anything and it's got gears and i can go anywhere i want and i can you know go out of town and not worry about stuff so i kind of i kind of lump the fat bike in with the single speed category i think they're cool although i don't think the fat bike is going to teach you anything unlike the single speed the single speed i think really can teach you stuff um, and I'm not trying to rail on fat bikes. It's just that I think it's a niche market. And if you don't mind going a little bit slower, I think it's fine. Yeah, if you're not interested go everywhere in speed, on that bike. you go everywhere on it. Exactly. It'll be fine. Um, and there are certain climates where it makes a lot more sense because you physically can't ride anything else. Where because, was he from? You know, the internet. Sandy. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's sandy or it's snowy or whatever. I just don't have that. So understand that my take is somebody from you know the middle U.S., who can ride pretty much year-round on a 29 short travel. So that's why I think it's the best bike. Um, but anyway, uh, what was his question initially? He's trying to he's trying to increase his skills, but he's not interested in going faster? Is no, no. He's deal? not interested in necessarily going faster. He's just curious at what point will he outgrow this bike. Oh, I mean, there's no reason why you need to outgrow it. If you enjoy the bike and you're not racing, and you don't need something, you don't have the necessity for something that's, quote, faster, Then, and you're enjoying yourself, and the people you ride with, you can keep up with them, and all that kind of good stuff, then, I mean, why change it? If you really like it, and you don't get constant flat tires or other weird things, then great. I mean, I would just rock it, uh, to be honest. But if it, if the downsides are showing, showing its head, like you get flats constantly, or you can't keep up with your buddies, or... You know, it it feels sluggish on climbs or whatever it might be. You're eating yes. tires and rims, whatever. Yeah, if that's the case, then switch. But I mean, if you don't have any problem with it, then it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself to get something else. I, I don't. I just guess I just don't really understand. I don't really stand understand what the issue is. Um, so I have one different different take on this then, or a, a different thing to say. Um, looking at the bike, it's a really solid build. Um, it, it has a Bluto. It has nice tubeless ready fat bike wheels. Everything there is solid. Um, so as long as if you're riding the blizzard and having fun and doing what's your exact words here, if you're going anywhere on your bike and exploring, I want to pitch something to you that you might find to be useful and it wouldn't necessarily be going faster. It would be going further. For the same effort, 
would be if you really like that bike, build a set of 29 plus wheels for it. It's going to keep the relative bottom bracket height the same. It's going to drop a good bit of rotational weight out. Um, or for the same rotational weight, you can have, if you are having those flat problems that Kenny was mentioning, you can go to a much burlier tire. Um, there's lots of things you can do. Or if you're in these situations that aren't traction limited because the trail surface is relatively good, you know, there's not a lot of sand or snow or loose over hard and you're finding yourself comfortable and not feeling like you're hanging it out on that big 4.8 tire, then try a three, three inch tire on there. And it's something that's going to be make that bike. I understand you don't want to go faster, but for the same effort, you're either going to go faster or for the same effort over the same duration of time, you're going to explore more. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Because it's not always about going faster for the sake of covering A to B in a shorter duration of time. But, you know, if you think you want to go for a 10-minute run, you're going to be able to go around, let's just say, like the big mile or three-quarter mile block around your house. But if you want to ride your bike for 10 minutes, you're going to be able to easily cover two miles, you know, and that's just because the, the method of transportation is faster. So don't think of fast as always being associated with type A Strava dickhead, but sometimes it's giving you the option to get to... You can explore more. Right. You're going to get to that point where there's fewer people on this long out and back trail sooner so you can start exploring those offshoot trails and explore more of those so you can see more stuff you've never seen before. You're less tired when you see something and you're like, hey, I wonder where that goes. God, I hate it when Andrea asks that. <laughs> well, I wonder where that goes. Deep into my pain cave, that's where it goes. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that. Oh, shit. So, Rob from the internet, that's, a, that's your answer. We, have, um, we still have one more. One more. Oh, my gosh. No, it's super simple. Okay. Um, uh, it's Gerhard from Africa. He says, hi team, a couple of generalized questions regarding tires. What role does the shape and profile of a tire play in the handling abilities of a tire and why, which profile is more suited? And that's the first question. The second is which profile is more suited to what kind of surface example is a square profile on the front tire, more suitable on loose over hard, etc. A tread pattern is another can of worms. They can wait until another time. Awesome show. Keep at it. Um, so I think we talked about this a little bit last time. Um, and Kenny had a great, great thing you said, which was, uh, when we were talking about wide trail tires, right? What did you say about that, Kenny? Uh, I don't remember what I said about it. I mean, well, in general, that, here, I'll that, tell you what you that said. That makes sense if you're going to use a really wide rim, because then you don't have a tire that where, when you lean it over, you're leaning it over onto the sidewall instead of onto the side knob. Yeah. I mean, that's a, big gripe of mine i'm all about wide rims they're stiffer they're stronger more air volume it's all good the problem is if you don't match them to a properly profiled tire like where the tread knobs are um then it's silly because you end up yes you have a high volume tire but you pretty much are have sidewall pooching out and that's you know when you have it really leaned over you're damn near on the sidewall uh also when you're rolling on the flat you have just a shitload of tread squared off touching the ground when you're straight up and down, which is not what you want. If anything, what you really want is you want very, 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 very tiny bit of tire 
when you're vert, when you're straight up and down, just enough to get proper traction, like when you're climbing, for example. Uh, but when you lean it over, you want progressively more and more and more tread to touch as you the further you lean the bike over. That's going to give you that confidence in the corners. So unfortunately, you get the complete opposite of that by cramming a really narrow tire on a super wide rim. So what it all boils down to and what some companies like Maxxis are doing is they're coming out with wide profile tires that are designed like if you look at the profile, you draw it in space, uh, it's it's proper when the base of the rim is much wider than than traditional rims. So. Yes, it makes a huge difference, and unfortunately, there's not like a formula for it. You just have to have experience. You have to see a tire mounted on a bike with a certain width rim and just see what it looks like because um, there's a lot of tires that I see mounted up, and I just look at them and go, yeah, I don't ever want to own that because it looks freaking terrible. <laughs> yeah, so I have a I have a couple of examples I can give, um, and this isn't maybe necessarily answering his question, but what role does the shape and profile of a tire play in the handling abilities and why um and what you said that really like struck me last time as 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 gold was you said that when you put this i'm gonna make it up you didn't say this tire but you put that 2.1 tire on that 38 internal rim and suddenly all of your knobs are touching the ground when you're going in a straight line which is bad because it's a ton of rolling resistance and then when you lean the bike over suddenly you go from to make it up six knobs wide to one used to be side knob that's now the the top shoulder knob is breaking away and you don't have any lean over traction anymore. Um, a great example of that is we have a customer that has a tall boy two. So it's a 29er and he has Hugo 27, five wheels in it with WTB trailblazer 27, 2.8 tires on it. And the tires just fucking square. Oh, that look, that's terrible. Oh it's God. Like, it's like three millimeters from rubbing his how, frame. How wide is that rim? The uh, Hugo is 50 external. It's like oh, 45 wow. internal. It's it's bigger than a rabbit hole. Yeah. It That's just, like a mid-fat rim. It's a mid-fat rim with a baby mid-fat tire shoehorned into a not mid-fat bike. And it's just all shit. And he's already flat spotted his wheels. And there's no side knobs on the bike. Because if there was side knobs, they would fucking rub on the frame and the fork. And like... He's been fighting this bike for like a long time. And I just want to be like, like just trying to make it work. Yeah, I just want to be like buy a different fucking bike, dude. Like every time I see this bike, I just roll my eyes and groan. I'm like, "Oh, what kind of fucked up stuff is wrong with it today?" And he never understands why he's not happy with his bike. And it's like I'm I don't know, man. Like it's not good. You know, his fork's cut too short. It's like five millimeters under the top of his stem, which is slammed. Like all in all, he just needs a new bike. Um, so that's one example. Another example that's really bad. And I'm going to beat up WTB tonight, but WTB cross boss is a shitty tire. Every time I've seen that tire, I fucking hated it. No more that I've hated that tire than when I saw that 35 millimeter cross boss mounted on a Roval control SL rim. And it was the same thing. All top knobs, no side knobs, uh, which is terrible. Um, and then last thing that I really want to talk about that goes into this is look at a 45 North Gravdal. It's spelled G-R-A-V-D-A-L. And if you look at that tire, it's their studded winter tire. And the claim to fame of that tire is you can air the tire up and the studs don't touch the ground. Like it has, it has 
alternating center knobs and then like almost center knobs. And when you air the tire way up, the studs don't touch or they touch minimally, you could say. Um, but then if it's really bad, like if you, you can commute to work in the morning thinking it might snow today and you can air them up to like, let's say 45 or 50, right? Zip into work. Yum. And then if you go rolling to rolling on that center knob, rolling on the center track, like those shitty interlocking center tread tires, there's a reason they make tires like that. But then if you go to leave work and it snowed a bunch at, let's say 10 and then by two, it had melted at some, but then you leave work after dark and it's frozen hard again. You let those down to 25, which sounds crazy, but we have employees that are bigger than me that have ridden these tires at 25. And what it does is it flattens the tire out and then four knobs are touching the tire, the ground at most times. And it works awesome. And I'm not saying you can get away with running a bad profile tire on the wrong rim, but that's a way that you can have a varying, varying tread tire, let's say. But when you, when you have these tires and you say, what, what is more, what profile is more suited to what kind of surface? A square profile in the front is suitable on loose over hard. I think that would be a really bad thing. Don't you guys think? I don't yeah, know. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you just want to have a relatively round tire is what it boils down to. Uh, that's got really, really aggressive side knobs. I mean, that's, that's really the best thing you can have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's way. like what Kenny and Matt said. Like, if your tire is square, you're going to, when you're in a straight line, you're on all of the knobs. And when you're turning, you're not on the knobs that were intended all all the way for turning. So I think square profile just isn't really a great idea for anything. Like, match up your tire and your rim size so that you get a nice, like, so that your side knobs actually side knob and so that your center knobs center knob and i think a great example of that would be the specialized slaughter that's a tire that's designed as a rear tire that has minimal center tread but the side knobs are like oh and like the uh, maxis minion ss yes same same tread yeah um so that's a tire that's exactly what kenny's saying straight line you have a decent amount of small small knobs on the ground which doesn't really matter you know, in the same sense, but when you lean that tire over, it's going to grip really well because it still has a very aggressive side knob. So, um, I mean, there's not a perfect answer for that, but I think those are just some things that you can think about, you know, that'll, we rambled enough about it that hopefully he got what he wanted. Well, yeah, it's pretty cool. I was trying to find a good picture of it, but if you Google uh moto GP tire and you just look at these tires and these bikes are making 240 horsepower. Ooh. And the oh, actual yeah. the actual amount of tire on the rear that's touching the ground is extremely tiny. Uh, but what's crazy, if you look at the profile of the rear tire, that thing gets like more and more and more contact as you lean it over. Because, I mean, it is, I mean, it's designed for, you know, greater than 45 degree lean angles. So it's cool when you look at it, and this is what I'm looking for in a knobby tire, maybe not quite to this extent. Um, but I mean, they spend so much time leaned all the way over. That's when they need the maximum grip, not so much in the straight line. Um, like it's actually adequate to have a very, very tiny contact patch. Same idea. You do not want to have some giant squared off tire, um, because bikes lean. That's what we do with them. I think I found a great picture for that here, which is it shows, it looks like this person wrote a lot of right hand hard corners, 
because like the center track is still clean and the right side of the tire is melted. But it's just cool if you look at one of these tires. It's so it is so round. It's unbelievable. Um, and again, two hundred and forty horsepower going to the ground, and yeah, you just don't need a giant center section. It's just not necessary. So I'd like to see honestly. I would actually like to see tires that are, you know, give me a wide tire. Give me like a 2.4 or a 2.5, but I want to have that thing like really, really rounded. Give me that high air volume, uh, but I don't want to have that giant center track on the ground. I, there's no point. And then it'll roll like a 2.2, but it'll grip like a 2.5. Yeah. It'd, it'd be awesome. Yeah. How long has this has this recording been? I'm starting to get like tangry. Uh, I mean, we're just, we're just a little long. We just got started a little late cause we rambled a bunch before we started, but I mean, I think that that covers it well. Um, we covered all the questions that we had that were on air appropriate. Um, on a scale of one to 10 with five being the most cranky, I'm like a four or a six. That's or pretty cranky. Six. Yeah. I don't get cranky that often. Oh yeah. I ran into a car. Um, speaking of me getting cranky uh, on my, my first ride on my new frame, um, I got right hooked and I, uh, luckily since I'm, it was in a spot where I've seen cyclists get right hooked because it's right at the parking lot of the gym where I go do MMA. Um, I've seen cyclists get right hooked there and it's a very right hookable spot because there's a bike lane and a driveway, and then an intersection. And a lot of times people will just be like, oh, fuck it, I don't want wait to wait for the red light. I'm just going to cut through this parking lot. And they suddenly turn into the driveway. I'm pretty sure that's what this guy was doing because I saw him waiting in line at the red light um, to like turn right onto this frontage road for the highway. And then so I was like, he, he had his blinker on. He's sitting there next to the driveway but not turning. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to roll up to the stoplight. And as I'm rolling past the driveway, he turned right. And as I made, con- like, I was able just out of good bike handling and awareness that I was able to, like, steer with my right hand, put my left hand on the car for balance, and to, like, push myself away from it. And then when I thought he was going to drive off, I proceeded to try and break his back window with my left hand. <laughs> and uh, he stopped. And I, I chewed him out for, like, I don't know, for a long time. And I might have damaged his side view mirror. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. There were people watching, like people at the stoplight were were watching, like stopped and watching. And someone pulled into the parking lot to make sure I was okay. But I mean, I, I wasn't hurt. I definitely made contact with his vehicle. But, you know, luckily I'm a good bike handler. If it had just been like, most of the other people that drive down there or that ride their bikes in that bike lane, like they would have just T-boned him and flipped over the trunk of the car. I mean, it, it was just straight up, you know, I just, I I knew that was a possibility. So I wasn't going really fast. And he just sudden, like he, he fulfilled my prophecy of this guy's going to right hook me into this driveway. And it was just, you know, at the last second that he did it. Luckily I wasn't like in front of him when he did it because he probably would have done it anyway, even if I was, you know, in front of his car instead of next to his car. Um, but yeah. And then today while I was running errands and I shit you not, it couldn't <laughs> be better. I'm traveling North 
and there I don't have a stop sign. East West traffic has a stop sign, and I'm like, this motherfucker ain't gonna stop. A this, van? This eastbound van, I'm like, and there's like cars parked on the east west road, and I'm like traveling north, so I'm sure that like I can see the top of like a, a high top sprinter or uh transit coming, and I'm like, they're not gonna stop, and it's just a plain white van. And so like I go ahead and check up and start slowing for the stop sign that I don't have because I know this person's like running the stop sign. And then as they pop out from behind the cars, it says dickheads mobile bike repair. And the guy rolls the stop sign. (laughs) And I guarantee you he didn't see me because I was already flipping them off as they passed me (laughs) and then flipping them off as they drove down the road. Now, the fact that they didn't see me and confront me made me even more mad. So I called them. and I said, <laughs> It wasn't actually a company called Dickheads, was it? No, I'm not going to say who it was because I called them and I said, how many trucks do you guys have? And he goes, one. And I was like, all right, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and he started talking. I said, no, you shut your fucking mouth. Oh, God. You just like went all mat on them, didn't I you? Went full, I went full redneck retard on them. Yeah, so, like, the little rage fit that I had with this dude, it makes, like, people see Matt get angry, and they're like, God, that guy's loud, and he's throwing stuff. Like, I'm pretty, like, my rage fit was, like, people were like, we're going to watch because she might kill this person. Yeah, that's the thing, so. It was frightening. I was a little scared of myself, but that's okay. Well, that's that. We all talked about our road rage. We've answered all these questions. Yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm glad Kenny hasn't been nearly killed by any drivers. I was actually recently. Did you did you get ridiculous. rage at them? No. I mean it was in a parking lot and it's like getting to be dusk and I've got like eight fucking million lumens of light on the front of my bike, including my helmet, and like a giant flashing rear light, and I'm on my mountain bike in a parking lot. And somebody in an SUV, I'm riding like my line. I'm just like riding where I'm supposed to be riding in this parking lot down a proper parking lot lane. Down I'm not an like aisle. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing like the thing that I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm on like the main aisle. And I am using it as a cut through, but I was if I was in a car, I was doing nothing wrong. Like I was riding where I should be riding, and they were coming down like the little You weren't going diagonally. Part. Exactly. They were coming down the little ancillary part. Where there's there's not actually a stop sign there, but every human being knows that like, hey, this is the smaller part of the parking lot. Maybe you should like yield. And that's not even so much the problem. It's that I'm going, I'm doing my thing, and this person like slows down, and it's getting kind of dark. They have kind of tinted windows. I got a bunch of light. I can't really see a face. But either way, just the body language of this car. He he goes to slow down, and he comes to a stop, and I don't even think twice about it, and I just ride along in front of him. And I'm literally, and you got to understand, like, the number of lumens in my lights is, I mean, it's in fucking insane. It's brighter than car lights. It's, it is. I have, like, I have a 1500 and a 1200. I mean, it's not some anemic light setup. Uh, anyway, and this, the person stops, and I'm going literally in front of them, and as I'm passing the front of their car, they just go. And I'm like, how could you? Where the fuck could you there, – there's nobody else in the parking lot. There, you got to understand. There's not a single other person in the parking lot. Not a soul. Are you talking about in Trinity Commons or somewhere like that? It's at the orthopedic uh, parking okay. lot. 
Uh, what's that place like? Or not? Is it Ortho? Not Ortho Memphis. It doesn't uh, matter. Campbell. It's at the Campbell Clinic. Okay. Yeah. Germantown Parkway and uh, Briarbrook. Yeah, I know where you're talking about. Yeah, I'm in that parking lot, and there's <laughs> nobody in this parking lot. It's like except this one car. Except this one fucking car and me, and with a million lumens, and <laughs> I am going straight on my lane, and he comes to a stop, and I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't, th- I literally don't think twice about it. I'm riding by. And as I'm literally in front of his car, he just goes. And like, I I didn't even know what to fucking do. I'm like, is this person just trying to run me over for no apparent reason? I mean, and I'm also thinking, where in the fuck could this person's eyes possibly be? (laughs) Because if your eyes were anywhere even remotely looking out the windshield, he he saw all of your bright lights and just closed his eyes. I guess so. He's like, like, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus is here. And he fucking floored it. Like, I have no (laughs) idea what this person was doing. Oh my god! It just made no sense to me, and I was like so flabbergasted by like that a human being could possibly do this. And I'm just thinking to myself after this person because I kind of did this weird move. I did like a kind of bunny hop looking thing. I don't know what the fuck I did, but like I got out of the way as, po- like, as quickly as possible. You did a like "don't kill me" move. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of like put in a couple pedal strokes and like hop to the side as this person just about creams me, and. The guy ended up turning the other direction in the parking lot, and I just didn't even bother. I was like, did that – I was so amazed and thinking to myself, did that actually just happen? Like how kind of person – I just couldn't understand where the person's eyes could have possibly been. I mean they must have been thinking I'm the only person in this parking lot, so they kind of slowed down for this intersection and then went down to like playing Angry Birds or whatever the fuck they're doing and then just like went. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Like I wanted to be in that car. I would have paid money to be in the car to see what the fuck this person was doing because I have no idea. Makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. People are unfreaking real. So at the grocery store today, I was extra feisty because of my earlier encounter. Um, there's an open parking spot beside my car and an open parking spot across the aisle from my car. And only after it all unfolded did I understand what happened. But I was walking down the aisle and I went into the open parking spot beside my car to load my groceries. And then at the same time, the person across the aisle from me opened their car door into the other open spot. And this giant Silverado pickup truck, I, I swear, chirps tight. Like, I guess they were going to one of those parking spots that suddenly became full. They chirp tire as they floored it. And then like five parking spots later, chirp tire turning and stopping, like sliding to a stop in a different parking spot. And I'm like loading my groceries. And like as the dude walks by, I look up at him and I go, you're not running into the store. (laughs) And he just like looks like goes head down and walks a little bit faster. And I just so badly want to be like, you're not in a huge fucking hurry now. Why? Because you're not in your big truck where you can't kill someone, you asshole. Like, yeah, people suck. So <laughs> drivers suck. It just blows my mind. Fucking, in fucking cagers. How yeah. little people pay attention just in life in general. Like they don't, people don't pay attention to shit. I just can't believe more people don't die like on a regular basis, like kill themselves doing dumbass shit. Cause they're just like not paying attention. I mean, you they know? do. You just don't hear about it. I guess so. Uh, holy crap. I mean, how do people not open their eyes? Like, and it, it, it's crazy. Totally crazy. People are so self-involved with other shit that like whatever task is at hand they just don't give a shit about (laughs) it's amazing yeah 
Yeah, I actually told the person today that almost hit me. I was like, it's going to be really hard to do business when you kill your customers with your fucking van. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Um, anyone want to add anything more positive after that? Um, no, that was fun. All right, well, next week's episode is up in the air. It may be a little a little different or it might not happen, but we will you'll know when we know when it posts or not. So, um until next time, you guys take care. Thanks for listening. If you have questions, send them to jra at mountainbikeradio.com and thanks. <laughs>